Greetings, friends. Future Andrew here, dropping into these past episodes to tell you thanks. Thanks for checking out RTAF. If you're valuing the show as a wellspring of inspiration and artistic fuel and would like to help keep the show going, you can find out more about how to do that at patreon.com slash podcast. Every little bit adds up and keeps me inspired to bring you quality content on a consistent basis. Thanks for listening, and stay creative. Welcome to another episode of RTAF Podcast. Thank you for being here. Wow. Okay, so I just want to give a little shouts to the fact that we have t-shirts with the glitched RTAF logo on them. I finally figured out how to make that look good in t-shirt form. They are available at Motif.com, and I'll link that in the description. And a big shouts to you, dear listener, for sticking around and bearing with me as I release one episode a month. No word from the top whether that's going to stay the same, but there are rumors from management that the frequency might pick up a notch come 2021. So, shouts out to you, my friends. And now, for our guest, he's a very special, very talented young man. He's a producer, video maestro, musician, father. It says here, sitar stylist, professional beard grower, wizard, and soon-to-be... Hollywood director. Hmm. His name is Aaron Holsapple. He's also new, known as his producer moniker, Quali. You can find his new album, Tummy Fuzz, on Bandcamp, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, you name it. It's out there. Tummy Fuzz. Got links in the description for all that. Um, and the biggest news of this intro is, well, you're, you're about to find out. Aaron and I got tapped by the big wigs in Hollywood. That's right. Um, They really admire my just creative, all-around creative uh, repertoire and Aaron's, uh, you know, Aaron's great music. And they said, hey, why don't you guys be in this sitcom that we've created for you? And we said, you know what, Hollywood? Thanks would you also sponsor the podcast? And they said, absolutely. So guys, this podcast is sponsored by like all of Hollywood. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Milestone moments here. But if you want to check out that video, you got to go to the RTAF YouTube and you can find the video version of this interview there too. And our funny intro slash music video that we made together. I think you guys are going to love it. If you don't have access to YouTube, you're going to love this interview too. It's a good one. So let's die right in. That's pretty cool, huh? Wow. Did you, did you ever think that like music would eventually land you a sitcom? <laughs> 
Yes. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. I mean, that's what, um, yeah, that's what I've been going for. So uh, everything that I want happens, and that's what I wanted. So Yeah, yeah. You're a real manifester. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome, mm. I suppose. <laughs> Yo, thanks for being here, man, for real. Uh, I'm glad to have you on. Yeah, glad to be here, man. Even, yeah, you, you begged and begged. Yeah, I uh, come I was on. a little offended so that there was so much resistance at first, but um, um, well, you know, that's I think that's what Hollywood likes. You know, it it helps like a plot develop uh, with uh, with characters, friction between characters, and uh, hmm. so here we are. Hmm. Thanks for coming on. And for real though, we need to talk about Tummy Fuzz. It's uh, I think it's my favorite thing you've put out. Uh, Thanks, man. And I I really love it. Like, you took it in a whole new direction uh, compared to, like, your earlier stuff and kind of like the other music that's that's in the scene that we're both involved in. And uh, I was just curious, what were the reasons for you going, like, a not necessarily a total 180? Because it still, still sounds like quality to me. But yeah, and if you you've been a, on the, I think for a lot of people that have listened to my music for a while, it's not as as, as much a surprise. But if you just hopped on board in the last like three years, then right. it would, it's going to sound way different, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so this album is kind of like a uh, uplifting, funky, just good vibes kind of album. Mm-hmm. Very little. Uh, very little sound design, which is kind of what the tip you'd been on for like the last, like you were saying, yeah, three last years three years or so. Yeah, been pretty focused on sound design, yep. And uh, so what What kind of, what were the reasons for, for changing the sound up? Well, it was uh, primarily because that's what I wanted to do. And it's right. like uh, kind of always why I'm making anything that I'm making is because I want to do it. And, you know, sure. with, with the music in general, it'll be like a, um, try and find some kind of balance between exactly what I want to do and then what also I can, uh, it'll be like palatable for an audience or whatever. So if I'm writing music specifically for um, like dance uh, on big speakers in a club or at a festival or something like that, then then I need to write music that people will be able to dance to and that is going to work in that particular uh, area. But it, it's also got to be, I have to figure out, there's always got to be some kind of balance of like it being what I want to do and then also what um, what will work in a given situation or whatever. Yeah. But um, I guess other than it being what I wanted to do, more specifically, um, I guess the, the first thing would be COVID. Mm-hmm. So the lockdown happening and the uh, the entertainment industry just uh, being completely shut down for a minute. So no shows on the horizon. Uh, I can do whatever I want to do. Right, right. Without, um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like this album is actually maybe even more danceable than some of my other music as well. Sure. But um, it just, uh, I felt like I had the freedom to to do, to make, uh, you know, uh, whatever I wanted and be able to have more, uh, artistic liberty, artistic freedom to 
branch out a little bit. Yeah. So the COVID thing, you know, I, I didn't have to write music that was going to necessarily go along with what I had been doing. And then um, I got a a uh, Fender Stratocaster. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. That's a funky instrument right there. Yeah, man. I love it. I I got it because I needed a travel instrument. Mm-hmm. I've been playing a, uh, a Gibson semi-hollow electric guitar, and it's really... Uh, a relatively fragile instrument and the case for it is like just okay so i was am nervous traveling with it sure and sure. you know like sometimes if they don't the, the airplane airlines won't let me have it in the the uh cabin it's just very stressful yeah putting so, putting an instrument like that on an airplane yeah with the temperature in a change bag, yeah it's pressure not pressure and temperature and, it's it's scary so I got this Fender because I wanted an instrument that was cheaper and that, you know, it's a solid body guitar, so it's tougher. It's got a tougher case. So mm-hmm. I needed a, a travel guitar for uh, Envision and Israel earlier this year, which I'm so grateful I got to do that before this all happened. Were those your last gigs? Yep. Yep. Israel and then Costa Rica. And Israel was like, that was one of the coolest things that I've gotten to do with music. It was really... Yeah, the people out there were really good to me and really, like, uh, very receptive and very, like, psychedelically oriented audience nice. there that was a real pleasure to play for. Um, so I got the Fender for that and then um, had been listening to a lot of Wolfpack at the time. And, mm. yeah, I was real inspired by Corey Wong. And that, that rhythm guitar, funky kind of rhythm guitar something that was always like that I was always pretty good at like I was never as good at like the shreddy soloing thing but I like rhythm guitar I was always pretty decent at so I felt like that was kind of in my wheelhouse and um yeah I don't know just uh felt like felt like making an album where it was just instruments and yeah it being the more like funk kind of style was just uh that i guess that just happened sort of naturally yeah yeah so um like the uh was so it was intentional or just kind of influenced by everything that was happening uh what do you mean intentional like your your pivot to like this style oh well like it was yeah so it wasn't something i thought a lot about you know it's just like um i definitely so i started so even i guess a few other notes here was the so i had this project called uu and i guess if you had listened to me playing uu then this would even be less of a surprise Uh uh-huh because uu was like funky mid-tempo tunes with my friend chris cox Mm -hmm. aka omega and um so I was more or less like playing funk guitar for that project. Um, yeah. And we actually, uh, uh, Mitch from Dance Safe, Mitchell Gomez, yeah. he was going to bring us out to do like a fundraiser. We we agreed to do a fundraiser um, as UU yeah. for Dance Safe. Nice. And uh, that got canceled for COVID. But like when that happened, I was like, all right, I'm going to play some funk guitar again or play some guitar again in... Um, and kind of started working on a tune and um and 
it was like, and then COVID happened. So then that all got taken off the board and I was still like, well, I want to still write some guitar tunes or whatever. So then that, I guess that was another, uh, aspect to how that happened, but it wasn't, it was just me wanting to do it. Right. At and the then, end of the day, you just wanted to yeah, make it happen. Yeah. And I wrote a few uh, songs, um, so I wrote uh, five star rated was the first one. Nice. And then, and then I think it was Slam Duck, and then, um, and then uh, Hot Lakes, <laughs> or as Bobby likes to say, Hot Licks. Yeah, yeah, that's what it reminded me of, like the title. I was going, yeah, I was going for hot cakes, hot cakes, yeah, hot licks, hot, hot licks. But then, yeah, Bobby's like hot licks, hot licks. You yeah, call hot licks. Okay, so I wrote those tunes because I wanted to do that, and then I was like, well, like I just just like write a whole album in this sort of arena because I enjoyed doing this. So yeah, then uh, that came out like that, and then and then I was like, okay, so here's this other thing. So Jakey, um, Blitzkrieg, uh, was, he was going to have a glass show. He's a glass blower. Yeah. And, uh, he was having a glass show. I think it was in New York, but it got canceled because of COVID. And he's like, dude, we want you to, to like, or he's like, would you come be on my stream thing or whatever? Yeah. yeah. I saw that. And he had been talking about doing some like cheese and ass production, like video sort of stuff or whatever. Yeah. He's like, well, we want you to be the wizard, man. You got to get the wizard costume. And (laughs) so. I mean, but it's what you wear like every day. So. So I didn't have to do anything. And and I actually, uh, so the day we were going to film it, I uh, was, uh, I'm pretty sure I got COVID and I woke up with a sore throat that day. Really? Yeah. So I was like, I'm not going to go. I'm sorry, guys. I don't. I'm trying not to bail on you, but I. I just woke up sore throat, so I'm not gonna risk this. I'm just gonna. But I'm gonna get you this video. I'm gonna make you the stream. I'm gonna make this yeah, set. Yeah. So I filmed it myself with the green screen because I had a green screen around. Yeah. Because I had meant to do something with that at some point. I thought it seemed like fun. Yeah. And, um, uh, and I knew that Patrick Boyle from Lost in Sound was gonna be doing visual stuff, and we had done green screen things with him before so i knew yeah, he could yeah. do that um and he was running the stream for um for jakey so i filmed it with the green screen and uh and so that began the whole like this style of video that i've been making for the uh for the for the album yeah which ended up getting us this deal with hollywood which is just amazing. i mean wow yeah what do you say you know, this is, there are no words. Yeah, it's written in the stars. Yeah, that's um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So, thanks for uh, thanks for letting me be involved with that. Yeah, I you mean, know? we're out here in LA in our uh, new studio, new podcast studio. So mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. It's pretty sweet. Out in the hills next to Chino or something. Yeah, yeah. I think we're gonna own a flat casino as well we're gonna at least own one of the letters in the hollywood sign Mm -hmm. pretty soon pretty soon yeah but yeah like uh i want to get back to the album like do you feel like using like analog instruments or or like physical instruments is more of a like direct expression of like you as a musician or 
compared to like getting on a computer and making some crazy sound mm-hmm. that no one's ever or trying to make a crazy sound that no one's ever heard before. Yeah. Um that's that's honestly kind of what I like about this or what I really like about it is that there's got to be some kind of like pressure whether it's external or internal to sort of fit in. You know what I mean? Yeah, what do you mean? Like everybody's making sound design music where we're at in Denver kind of just this psychedelic well, within base, our, yeah, 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 sure. our small circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, you, you did something totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like it, that's a more direct expression of like, like who you are? You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's different than that stuff, but it's also well within the conversation of like, uh, more like funk music kind of stuff too. Sure. Yeah. I think like, with the the technology thing, you can always make that argument. Like, I, it makes me think about the like Pink Floyd used to get criticized for um yeah for like the people would say like oh you got all this gear like the gear is running you guys you know like you guys are just a product of the gear you're product of the technology or whatever yeah and like. With the technology, it's a, it's always like your brain is interfacing with this technology that somebody else has create, created with their brain. Yeah. And it's like, that's a collaboration, but when you're playing a guitar, it's also like your brain is collaborating with the, the technology of a guitar as well. So right. it's... <clears throat> Uh, you know, it's uh, there's an argument to be made on either side of that, I imagine. Sure. But for me personally, um, I don't know. There's there's definitely something to the the brain uh, on a guitar because it specifically because it's not quantized like a piano or synthesizer is or something like that. It's um, you can bend the notes a little bit. Like it's uh-huh. got the frets where that are quantized, but. Because uh, your fingers are hitting the strings and, like, they can move a little bit. Um, It's a very, like, tactile instrument. And, you know, you can get a lot lot of soul out in a guitar, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess, like, too, music is just kind of pure mathematics at the end of the day. And so maybe you're, you know, like, sound, sound design, is that more or less that way? Are you just kind of experimenting when you're making well, sound sounds? design? I mean, like if you want, because I don't know anything sounds about sounds that sound really cool are still going to be uh, based in general on that same mathematics that makes music cool. Yeah. So, and I guess like the more distorted and noisy things get, the sort of the less um, in that pattern of music um, that it becomes. And when I say pattern of music, we're talking harmonic series, which is, okay. that's the, the harmonic series is the, the foundational mathematics of uh, music. And it's just this, um, the way that, that sound works and the way that sounds appeal to us in a musical way. They go by this specific uh, mathematical, formula and yeah. um 
and that's just something that we've discovered that's just like a property of the universe and we right. we've been making music and doing these specific intervals and and things that that are totally um you know these mathematical relationships that are just there and then we can we've been able to impose our uh sort of like understanding like formulaic kind of thing on top of that yeah to uh get a greater understanding of it but in essence it's just the building blocks of the you know our shared reality and why right. and why our our uh our meat suits interface <laughs> with that kind of thing the way that we interface with music and sound and why things some things sound more appealing than others yeah yeah, so maybe it's not necessarily like uh, a more expression of like yourself, but more more just tapped into that part of making music, like the yeah, yeah. The and the album is really like centered more around music. There's, the tummy fuzz is definitely like um, like just doing the instruments and uh, so it's mostly like Fender. Uh, Jazz, bass, guitar, mm-hmm. Moog synthesizer, um, Fender Stratocaster guitar, and uh, Rhodes, Rhodes piano. As yeah. well as Wurlitzer piano. I don't have a real Wurlitzer piano, but <laughs> I was using the like sampled instrument on yeah, the computer. Yeah. And um, but just like not having so many options for sound design stuff, it just um, made me. I was able to just think about the music more, like. Uh, at least that's what I did with the album is just focus more on the musical side of things and explore um, explore that and yeah I, I think that the music is a it's a universal thing like it's this it's just the way things are like the reason right. the reason music sounds good is because it's these specific relationships mathematical relationships and it like you can say that that's why it sounds good is because it's this you know this perfect mathematical relationship but it's like it's not exactly why it sounds good it sounds good because our ears are designed a certain way right. and our brain interprets that a certain way and and we find we find beauty in this this mathematical perfection or whatever and you know to reduce it to that is a uh, maybe a bit boring but right um but but in any case, the mu- the album is more musical than uh, some of the more sound design kind of stuff that I've been doing recently. Yeah, I I imagine like for me at least, who doesn't know very much about either of those things, um, like having a, a VST or whatever, and a plugin, a, a plugin, yeah. So a VST is a. Uh, type of plugin so okay for vsts and audio units and components are under the umbrella of a plugin okay and a plugin is a different uh piece of software that you can use within your workstation software uh-huh. so even in video editing software you can have a plugin um where it's like a third party piece of software that you can use within your workstation yeah okay well having something that could potentially make any sound ever 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 ever, ever, ever. An infinite 
really infinite possibilities that we know of, I guess. Uh, that would move a lot of the pressure uh, off of like me to try and like what new yeah, sound. Yeah, yeah, because there's already the infinite possibilities of music. And when we right. say infinite, it's not really like uh, the domain of the possible like musical combinations I'm going to come up with like is vast, but you know. It's limited by like the technology, right? Well, I don't know. As far as the music goes, it's limited more by my taste. Yeah, yeah. And it's limited more by the, uh, yeah, what I think like is pleasing, what sounds good, you know? Yeah. Like dudes like Miles Davis and like those, the jazz cats really like opened up a lot of the possibilities for what can be musical, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because before that, things were a little more constrained on what we felt like sounded good. But then they started, they really showed us that, you know, there's a lot more possibilities for things that actually sound good. It it sounds (laughs) different. Maybe it doesn't sound good at first, but then you listen a little bit more and you're like, okay, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. And then not having as many possibilities with the taking out the X factor of these are my bass sounds. I'm using... These instruments. The jazz bass. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. We're using these instruments and we're not going to. And that just opened up a lot of, uh, yeah, I think possibility for just work more on the musical side of things. Nice. But I'll be able to bring that, what I've learned with this album, into back into sound design stuff too. It's like, right. I'm, I'm not a purist either way. Like, I'm not right. just into digital music or just into analog right. music. and. And that's what I, I like about it is because I, I love your sound design music just as much as I love this. Although I think this one has more of like a kind of shoulder shimmy vibe to it. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Oh, yeah, the shoulder shimmy. little, uh, yeah, it's just like uplifting and like kind of silly. Yeah, yeah. But that's, like, that's, that was also part of like what I needed for like we're doing like the COVID lockdown or whatever. It's like need something. yeah. Need something Need a like boost. positive to work on here. Something that I feel is going to be like uplifting for me and my community, and like um, making yeah, like heavy bangers uh, did not seem like the move at that moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's cool that you're able to kind of feel the what's going on and what's going on. Yeah, and change your change your creative output based on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's always been seems like, appropriate. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. And I've kind of had to do that. And also, I think like not achieving like a a big level of like monetary financial success with my projects has also helped that. Yeah, because like once you once artists like really hit it big, and you kind of like feel like most artists will continue to make that same sound for the rest of their lives and just beat a dead horse you know yeah and uh i've never really like had that i've never really felt that pressure you know yeah and i feel like a lot of my fans are just like will hop on board when they like it and will hop off if they don't like it and the ones that have been around for a while understand that they might you know they're going to be getting something different from me right every time so that's cool that's it i mean you could have that as your 
brand really like to like david bowie kind of did that you know like sure yeah every album was a little bit different yeah well and pop but, stars have to he reinvent themselves and he did he was kind of like the the blueprint for that mm-hmm. um and then madonna really like took that to the next level but yeah. pop stars now have to sort of they have to do this thing and a lot of like there's like a formula now to it now where they go like well, specifically, like, for the female pop stars, they'll go through, like, a, you know, like, the perfect angel phase into the, like, the bad girl phase into the, the, you know, like, post-breakup, like, strung-out phase into the redemption phase and then just repeat that kind of cycle. Yeah. Um, so which phase are you in right now? <laughs> are you in the strung-out, <laughs> strung-out oh, but happy phase? Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, what what phase am I in? <laughs> Such a dumb question. No, man, but I, that this is all to say that, like, I really admire the fact that you, you sort of weren't just, like, beating a dead horse, like you said. Mm-hmm. You weren't just, like, doing the same thing over and over again. And, I mean, this is a totally unique time in the history of the planet as far as we know mm-hmm. or human history, I guess, as far as we know. And yeah, just to, just to switch it up and try something new seems, it seems like intelligent to me. And there's a lot of heart in this album. Yeah. Well, and it just seems like it's gotta be real, right? I right. Mean, every, everything's so different. It's like, why would you keep doing the same thing other than if there was like a big financial, uh, uh, incentive for that you know mm-hmm. which is totally understandable if you're gonna be able to continue making good money doing what you're doing before then that's great yeah but you know it's like without shows happening um kind of freed you up in a way right yeah. yeah yeah definitely yeah much more studio time and not having to write music for the club specifically yeah are you gonna spend more time with your son Am I going to? Or no, are you getting, or have oh, you been? Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not having to travel anywhere, like, yeah. definitely. Yeah, it's hard. It was hard having to leave for extended periods of time. Yeah. Come back and, like, he's already. He's a little bit more grown or whatever. Different. Yeah, yeah. changes, like. Yeah. Maybe, so, do you think that he had anything to do with you switching it up? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he, uh, yeah, we'd been listening to Wolfpack. Nice. quite a bit and he was like super into that specifically um animal spirits mm-hmm. um that song in particular was like i'd play the intro for that and he just like perks up <laughs> i haven't played that in a while too i should uh i'd like to play that for him now and see what his reaction is because like yeah when he was really little every time i play that intro he's just like oh boy here we go nice um so yeah that was and just like having a little, you know, having a little child around sort of makes you reassess the the kind of things that you're putting out. Because like they, they don't like, like the darker, heavier kind of stuff is just not as appropriate for a child. They're just like, they don't relate sure. to it as much. And it's like, child's already just so like, like, uh, you know, they're just happy or not getting what they need at the moment, but right. there's not a lot of like existential dread. Right. Right. 
Right. Uh, Not that I feel like my music is about existential dread in general, but yeah. <laughs> right. There's I definitely write some more like heavy, kind of darker stuff and. Yeah, you know, even for me, it's for that me relatively, it's not that dark. But I just felt like at that moment, that was a good time to. And when you're writing music that's musical, it's just like that's just part of the. What goes along with it, I think, is just the joy of. Of uh, expression and joy of feeling something beyond yourself. Totally. You were talking about Wolfpack just now. Um, I'm assuming they were pretty big influence on this, yeah, this sound. Yeah, totally. And specifically, Corey Wong, like rhythm guitarist for Wolfpack. Mm-hmm. Were there anybody else? Uh, I I really feel like the the first song on this album uh, has some like Lotus-y vibes. Yeah, to man, it. definitely. Um, yeah, Nomad, the album Nomad by Lotus in particular. Uh, that was one of my favorite albums in high school. Yeah, same. Yeah, we had like, yeah, I had a subwoofer and just get like stoned in my car and <laughs> we didn't drive anywhere, but we would listen <laughs> right, to Right, you that. just sat in the car. Yeah. Nice. We really did mostly, but, um, yeah, listening to that on the subwoofer and just like vibing out. Uh, but again, that, that album's got so much like major chord, like joyful kind of happy vibes to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that when I was making that song, I was definitely like, it wasn't like I had gone into it thinking like, let's make a nomad-y, lotus kind of song. But yeah, when yeah. I was making it, I was like, oh, this kind of sounds like a little bit of like, uh, yeah, a little nomad Mike, Mike Rempel kind of thing going on. Totally. And I was cool with that because I love that sound. So I was like, well, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if you land there, it's... It's like a kind of cool coincidence, but that's you, a pretty old album at this point, too. Now it's like, like two thousand three. Yeah, man. Yeah, we're uh, seventeen years ago. <laughs> that's amazing. It's a long ass time ago. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, who? Anybody else? Anything else? Any other artists? Yeah, well, I mean, or, in that arena, uh, like Herbie Hancock has been a favorite of mine forever. Ooh, like, yeah. That that uh, Headhunters era, you know, nineteen seventy three to seventy six, seventy seven, seventy eight. In there, it's just like, I love that. I love that groove. I love the sort of jazz sensibilities that he's bringing to it. Like it's still musically, you know, like he had been playing with Miles Davis before that, and like really like. Uh, was able to get like way out there and then he brought it back in for the headhunters like really and that was his first commercial success was headhunters yeah and he was really like he just hit a nerve with that one it was just like he really was able to take all of that knowledge and experience that he gained with miles davis and uh condense it into a a package that was like danceable. It was really musically very interesting. It really like uh, showcased like his his playing abilities and brought it all into uh, something that that people could really understand and vibe with easily. Yeah. And yeah. for me, I just yeah like Headhunters and and Manchild and Secrets. 
Yeah. It's classics. It's real, like, I wouldn't call it like heavy funk, but it's just like, that's what I think of when I think of funk is like man child. It's a little more jazzy. And of course, like Parliament and like yeah, yeah, James you can't, Brown. Yeah, you can't have like, a conversation about funk without Parliament and James Brown too, for sure. But, uh, but I mean, musically, like, you know, Herbie was walking circles around him. Right, right, for sure. Um, but rhythmically, you know, it was James Brown that really, like... He kicked it off. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool how, like, things are... Uh, like, you can trace uh, derivations or derivatives, like, just all the way back. Mm-hmm, yeah. And, like, yeah. there's not... There's not technically any sort of like original ideas. Right. No, but you can see things when new combinations of things like start to appear. And right. And things that really, and that goes along with what I was talking about with the financial success thing too. Cause like once parliament really like got in hit there, a chord with that particular sound and they're just, they're doing that sound, you know? Right. So then you can see. And then that sound, you know, then that's making hip hop. Exactly. Like, you got Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, like they wouldn't, they got nothing without, right. without Parliament Funkadelic. Yeah. You know, that was like. Well, all of hip hop really has nothing without funk. And I guess funk doesn't really have anything without soul and Motown mm-hmm. and Motown without the blues and the big band jazz. And like, you can just. Trace it all the way back, man. Yeah. yeah, but particularly when I mean, you listen to there. There are like, like Dr. Dre literally oh, took yeah. the song. He, he like, like lifted it. Yeah, yeah like literally. For sure. <laughs> but yeah, you know, and it's all like uh, shades of gray on on taking things, taking ideas, right. getting inspired or whatever. But that was like straight up, like just took the song and then. <laughs> And it you know. wrapped over it. Yeah. So he's make they made it their own thing. It's certainly a different sound right. and everything, but Right. But uh it's great. It's I don't know, it's really I think fun when you learn about the like hear those Parliament Funkadelic songs. Like if you had only if you had heard the Doctor Dre songs first or Snoop right. Dogg songs yeah, first. Yeah, and that's what I that's I'm I'm like sure a lot of kids that grew up in the nineties and early two thousands, like Yeah, you hear they're like, wait, this is a actual like yeah, you hear Snoop Doggy Dog, but you never heard Atomic Dog. Right, you know? right. And then right. you hear Atomic Dog, you're like, oh, man. Yeah. It's like springboarded his career, you know? Yeah, it's the same thing, like, with drum and bass and the the Amen break, mm-hmm. you know? It's so cool. I think it's cool. Like, you know, purists out there, the type of people who say that, like, Pink Floyd ain't shit because they use all these effects and, like, yeah, use shit on Bob Dylan. Gear for like going electric going electric like i think that's kind of silly but um yeah all that stuff's like really interesting just to kind of trace everything back um to its origins and you can't really actually get at an origin point necessarily because you just keep going back and back yeah you know yeah turtles on top of turtles right Right. Shoulders of giants standing on the shoulders of giants standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. And the same thing goes for the like technology too. Like, I think maybe the unsung heroes of music are like people who write the code for the, you know, the DAWs and like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and like all the, 
you, as an artist, it can get you get glorified and everything. But I mean, it's all just a big collaboration, like right. with the with all the guys making all the gear and the technology and everything. It's like you can't we we wouldn't be getting to this point where we're like glorifying this rock star without all the equipment to exactly make, make it all happen too. You know? Yeah, it's the same thing. Like if you were to eat a banana. <laughs> You know, like collaborate with the palm tree. Well, I mean, you, it wasn't like you discovered bananas. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it was grown somewhere, yeah. someone on you know someone's land. So do you think that uh, someone had to pick it? They had to transport it. You know. Yeah. So do you think that that technology and gear is like a a property of of um? I mean, what would you call a as a plant like a property? It's a property of the earth or something, like a property of life or so is like technology then like a property I, of life, an emergent emergent property. Yeah, that's what I would say. I mean, like that's kind of how I look at it. And this is again not an original idea, but like if it yeah, it's an emergent phenomenon, obviously. Like it could be evolution, you know. A lot of people think that like uh what did McKenna say? He said like we're the sex organs for the AI or the robots. Oh uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know about that, but I think, <laughs> I think that like, you know, I don't know. Now we're way off topic, but uh, let's just go. Like, I think that <laughs> eat mushrooms, eat mushrooms. Yeah. I and think it had some really like out there, out things. there stuff. He has some great ideas, but some of it, you know, you look back on it and it's like, you're like, that was wrong. <laughs> but, but I do think that like, I mean, obviously technology is changing us. Oh yeah. I mean, like, wow. holy shit. To yeah. the core, yeah, yeah. to our, to like our neurons, you know what I mean? Like, and so. And it's really a lot of like what it is though, is like, just like, uh, putting like, aspects of our consciousness and brains and whatever like on speed or something like that yeah yeah well that right now is kind of what it is but i mean you know hopefully i mean and we haven't even talked about like genetics either like the field of genetics and how crazy (laughs) that shit is but like hopefully we can we can kind of merge these things like ai and and genetics and um I don't know. I don't think that our, like, you know, what is it? 99% of species on earth uh, have lived and then gone extinct. Yeah, right. There's no real, I mean, not to get too dark, but there's no real reason to think that humans will live into perpetuity. But we might evolve into something else. Look, man, I don't know if you've seen Star Trek, but I'm pretty (laughs) sure. Yeah, I have. Well, at least the next generation. (laughs) I mean, we need to get rid of money, okay? Listen, no. Um, Isn't that a cool show, though? Isn't that, like, it's such an optimistic, like... Yeah. It's like the, the purpose of humanity will be to to explore and to, like... Yeah. To... Learn. Yeah, learn, go and, like, meet new meet new challenges and... And life and forms. do it together as, like, a community and... Yeah, it's such a great... You know, we need more fictions like that. Or more like projections like that. It's like most of the stuff, a lot of the sci-fi stuff that you see is, uh, it, it 
you know, it's not. Well, now we're trying to get it to people's brain stems, right? Like oh, with, with most with... most things, they're just trying to get to the 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 core because they know you'll keep watching, and then therefore they'll generate more money and. Yeah, and it's just this like race to the bottom, you know, mm-hmm. with a lot of entertainment and and art and things That's like true. that. That's true. That's true. Bottom um, of your brainstem. <laughs> race to the bottom of your brainstem. Yeah, but I mean, we got this, you know, we got this human brain, so that's cool. <laughs> we don't have to just we don't have to just wallow in the reptile brain all the time you know yeah yeah it's good to know that we got that reptile brain and kind of understand the uh our um uh, what would you say like susceptibility to to different things different programming and whatever but yeah but at the same time it's a good thing to use that use that human brain you know get that get that monkey brain override the the lizard brain yeah <laughs> Like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we're sort of dancing around the topic, but like the uh, documentary, The Social Dilemma, just talks about this a lot with, uh, in particularly like social media. And uh, if you haven't seen it, watch it, check it, it features, out. It features our video. Yeah. I, <laughs> it features our music. By video. the way, our music video uh, <laughs> has all those triggers in it um, that will just get you watching it over and over again and clicking like and, <laughs> yeah, and it share. Changes, it changes every time. Changes your chemistry. It, uh, uh, changes it, your it'll, DNA. It'll make you feel really outraged and it's dividing everybody, very divisive. So. You'll probably start a subreddit uh, liking it and then a subreddit <laughs> hating it. I mean, I don't even know where I stand, honestly. <laughs> I think I just... I'm. You know, you stand wherever the opposite is of where I'm standing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, because you know, Hollywood scripted our characters to sort of be in conflict. You just said the quiet part loud again. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> You're no. You need to be at F sharp. F sharp. You're at a G. Need you at an F sharp. So don't, what was it don't like? Break the tenth wall. The tenth wall. <laughs> Don't break the metal wall. <laughs> uh, yeah, what was it like working with me? Do you uh, do you have any notes? Uh, what do you mean working with you? Yeah, like uh, you know, uh, I'm not aware of you know or... this video that we made. Yeah, do uh, we work together on that? Yeah, well, you know, I directed it and uh, and you edited it and produced it and uh, oh, I mean, and I wrote that's it. News to me. I wrote it, and uh, <laughs> you know, I. No, you did. You, to be fair, Andrew wrote most of it. Actually, the script. Uh, yeah, we worked together on it, but you wrote most of it. And uh, well, okay, let's let's be real for a second. This is how it all came about. I was smoking lots of weed and painting in my studio, <laughs> yeah. and I was listening to Tummy Fuzz. Yeah, and we right. were going to make an intro. We were going to make, yeah, we were going to make some sort of intro to the podcast. To make just an intro to the podcast. And, but I, I called you up, and I was like, dude, five-star rated, sounds like the perfect intro music to our sitcom, because Hollywood had already hit us up at this point. Mm. And uh, and you kind of laughed, and you were like, yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty funny. And I was like, and I had this this kind of like flood of ideas, not all of them good. Yeah, we were going to make an intro, but then you just started being like, okay, so then 
Like at you know, this point, two in minutes the song. in, it's yeah. going like this, and I'm like, okay, dude, the intro. This is a full music video. Yeah, yeah. We got to make the. So, what you want to do is make a full music video. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, I had some creative direction uh, from you. And then, once we finally like uh, met up and and, like talked about it, this is what I love about collaboration because we spontaneously thought of a few things in the moment that like I don't think either of us would have thought of like on our own. Yeah, for sure. Like, I can think of, of funny things. Or whatever, uh, but like to have an audience and even just an audience of one person mm-hmm. really helps this kind of like reflective projection. Yeah, and you, thing get, that, like you get that third. There's a third thing that happens, right? Different. You know, you got more than one mind together. There's something else that that starts happening that wouldn't happen otherwise. Right. It's like a third thing that grows out of that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so the third thing that grew out of that was this. Hollywood smash hit. Yeah, that you all, uh, if you're watching YouTube, you YouTube. saw the, you saw it. Y-O-U-T-U-B.com. <laughs> T-U-B. <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> uh, so if you're just listening to this podcast, which thank you for doing that, uh, please check the show notes. I am putting a link to the full video, which includes uh, the video that we're talking about in there to give you a better like kind of or, better or any idea if you want a better laugh than yeah, what yeah. you got out of this podcast so far then yeah <laughs> go watch that yeah i mean you know i love that we're we're able to like laugh at ourselves um but i always get this feeling like if you're laughing at your ego or making fun of your ego are you still just in the trap of like ego or selfhood because you're like, just because you're shitting on ego doesn't mean that, like... That means you're e- the shit for shitting on your ego. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so you're you're so caught up in this... on top of turtles. Yeah, so you're caught up in this, uh, this kind of, like, loop, you know? You're like, oh, well, like, I'm going to do all these, like, funny, embarrassing things, and, and you've convinced yourself that it's funny... And so you're like, oh, I'm funny. And then you're just caught again. Yeah, always caught. <laughs> I think, though, too, that maybe it's like um, our egos obviously will come and smack us in the face. But yeah, a lot of the like the like, um, you know, like mysticism, it's about transcending your ego, but. It's also to me the. It's not like this like super heady thing of like, because people generally imagine that it's gonna look like. Uh, when that happens, it looks like the perfect person or something like that. Right, and I I do think that people, take, like that mysticism and themselves a little too seriously sometimes. Because yeah, I think we even got the. Like, because there's been mystical experience. Mystical experience in general has been about, like, just uh, transcending your personal experience, I think. Mm -hmm. And then we've got Freud talking about the ego, which is this sort of, like, um, this, uh, this, like, software or something like that that goes on top of our, our brain hardware that, like, enables us to, to interface with 
with uh, each other, the world around us, yeah. or whatever, and and because we're uh, self-reflective, like, or we'll be able to, we can notice that we're doing things or whatever. Then we can notice that we're either like really amazing, and on top of the dominance hierarchy or whatever. Like, <laughs> oh right, yeah, we're yeah, the, we're the you know the top monkey or or the bottom monkey and. We grew then, all our own bananas. Yeah, we feel feel some way, feel some kind of way about that or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But like, so like transcending ego after Freud getting wrapped up in sort of like new age spirituality or whatever, like it's kind of a weird thing. And it really like uh, birthed a lot of like, like cult kind of things where like, yeah, yeah. People would act like they were like, uh, they had transcended their egos and they're like perfect people. Right. But really, I think mystics in general, just like, you still just have an ego and you're still just like a normal person. It's just like a different kind of perspective that yeah that happens, you know? It seems like those guys just kind of like move it off to the side or something. You know? No, it's just there. It's just like, it's just a, there's just a, I think a realization of of um interconnectedness, I guess. Yeah. And but that really doesn't have anything to do with the ego on a mundane level. Like the ego is still just the way that your human self interfaces with the world and that doesn't ever go away. It's just that a higher uh or like a more broad kind of software something happens Kicks where you're in. able to to get a better view kind of thing yeah be able to see like more interconnectedness and but then the ego is still there right it's maybe like running into itself less and like yeah but even even with the the vantage point of seeing interconnectedness and stuff like as a as a person, you can still want to do like person and human things, you know? Yeah. Oh, for which, sure. Like, which involves. For sure. It doesn't have to be just like a. It involves doing dumb things, you know? Yeah. And it like. And then, you know, like when people are like pretending to be enlightened or whatever, then they'll like. Try and make it seem like they didn't do anything dumb. But I think people. Have, That's like, just another trap though, right? Yeah. If people are truly enlightened to just accept that. That's part of what it's all about is doing dumb things. So by like, that would, by would... that metric, like I think that I'm enlightened. You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's, that's all right. That's a great. That's what I was to... trying to say. <laughs> we are the most enlightened. We're definitely the most enlightened, most enlightened people in this room. Toads that toads. Ah. <laughs> Uh, oh, one thing I wanted to touch on before we started the podcast, um, you were talking about this cool thing. This gets, this is coming back around to sort of something that we had already talked about that like, um, when you're driving in your car, right? We were talking about sound. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you're driving in your car and one person rolls the window down to like whatever, smoke a cigarette person. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, like your ears are starting by the way. Yeah. Like. Don't do that uh, <laughs> if you're thinking about it. But, and then it rattles everything and you get this kind of like <laughs> sound and it feels like your 
ears are just getting pummeled. But that you you said that that's the same thing or the same type of thing as like making those really cool sounds with uh, beer bottles. Oh yeah, what do you, yeah, like kind of how Herbie Hancock did on yeah yeah, yeah. watermelon man watermelon. So, but then we were, and then, but then I said like that's what I said. Then I said like. Uh, would it be, it would probably sound different if we were giants, you know? Like, it wouldn't sound like <laughs> this, like, kind of bassy, like, just air, like, getting pushed into your ear. It would probably sound more high-pitched. Um, but I don't know if you yeah, had, no, I mean, have any thoughts it's all, uh, like, our the way that we hear is all very relative. So, like... Right. Um, like the where our hearing is at, like we're most sensitive to to the range of like hearing like a baby cry mm-hmm. and uh and like where our vocal range is at is like where right our hearing is most perceptive, and then as we start getting down lower into those lower frequencies, like because like when you open that window and get the bottle blowing in the bottle or like the flute effect in your car it's like such a low low noise where it's like you almost feel it more as like a rhythm it's like yeah because the space is is like bigger than our ear right or is it no it's not that it's bigger than our ear it's just that the frequency is um it's lower than so our perceived like we start losing perception of a note so around like um probably around like 30 hertz. It depends on who you ask because like it's different for different people. Like where that crossover is to where like a bass note starts sounding more like a rhythm than a note Yeah, is, it varies for different people. But so like if you were like a giant, as you're saying, and had like a, you know, massive eardrum, but you still, you'd have to be in a, environment i suppose where like for that to sound like a note you'd have to be in an environment where like being able to distinguish those low frequencies was advantageous for survival or whatever right 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 so like um in nature we hear those notes as like a like a the low rumble of a tiger growl or like um thunder thunder earthquake got it so it's like all connected like a like you can't really take anything out of context, even though I thought that was a really cool thought experiment. Like, if we were like giant humanoid things, like our nervous system would probably be set up a little bit differently, and maybe we wouldn't even hear the the uh, babies car, crying, car window opening, or babies crying, <laughs> unless we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, like you know, dogs have a higher hearing register than we do like the the focus of their hearing is up higher like um you know dog whistles we can't hear them but right they're very perceptive to that yeah so the yeah it's really i mean that's just a very interesting thing i think to think about like the where the way that we hear is not how things are it's how we our, are our meat suits and interpret it you know yeah which um yeah, I mean, that's a fascinating aspect of thinking about music and making music. Yeah. Like, taking that into account, like, how we how we hear it, you know? Well, 
my meat suit really loves tummy fuzz. So <laughs> thanks for making it. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, so you want to do a visionary haiku? Let's do it. All right. Give me a little... Uh, R.I.P. <laughs> Alex Trebek. Yeah, man. Um, you want to start off? Sure. I think you know the rules here. Uh, if you guys have been watching or listening recently, uh, you know the rules. If this is your first time, Visionary Haiku. We have these cool visionary magnets, and they basically have a lot of... Uh, Resist. Hippie kind of... Uh, new agey jargon buzzwords on there, right? Is that kind of how you would describe it? Yeah. And uh, they're very special, near and dear to my heart. This was designed by Few Texture. Is that right? Yeah, I think I think he was a part of it. Let's see. We've got a carp copyright, a copyright post jaded. That's right. <laughs> so, oh, that's something worth talking about. Post jaded is a great concept and a great. Uh, Limited Liability Corporation as well. Uh, <laughs> Post-jaded, I think, if I remember correctly, kind of means like, if you look at the uh, the evolution of, of like liking something or being stoked about something, mm-hmm. you kind of have, you kind of go through that neotenous phase or that young phase of like, everything's amazing. And so like, you can kind of put that in the context of, say, a festival or something like that. When we first went to festivals, everything was amazing, right? But then after a while, you get people who get a little bit jaded, and then everything sucks. But then I think post-jaded is perfect for these because you can also just sort of poke fun at the thing, but also enjoy it instead of just being like, heard this before like this sucks or you know grateful dead yeah grateful dead grateful dead grateful dead (laughs) is that like a john malkovich uh (laughs) treatment Ooh, resist resist avocado that's too much damn i was just thinking about how people like ever you know when jerry died the band was over people will be like you know, Pink Floyd was only psychedelic for Piper at the Gates of Dawn, and <laughs> right, it's like bur- get... it's the Burning Man. It was always like yeah, better yeah, last yeah. year. You, you form these opinions that are like really like you feel like define you as a the create. That's your personality. Is you're the kind of person that knows that the only Pink Floyd album that was psychedelic <laughs> was, was Piper any... at the Gates of Dawn. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's like the dude who. Saw fish in '87. Who keeps reminding everybody that he saw fish in '87? <laughs> yeah, and everything since then is you know just not as cool because he was the one that was there before, exactly. and that was the coolest part. So therefore, yes, that's uh, it's funny how we how our personalities develop like that. Resist not. Ooh, resist not. That's like a Yoda thing. Resist not. Mm. I think I have one in my hand there. It's ology. 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 I am kind of going more like the Mad Lib style on this. You're just just like... (laughs) Drawing a random one, see if it fits. Resist not. So we need a a twofer? Yep. See if I can find them like... I scratched myself. Find the right size. Bro. 
When I covered up for that sneeze, I just scratched myself. Resist not macro. That's not really. That doesn't. Let's find something better. You don't. Yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, I kind of, I kind of cornered you. Resist not spiral. <laughs> Resist not young spiral. <laughs> I know this is everyone's uh, favorite part of the show. Of course, I know him. <laughs> It's me. Uh, let's see. Re regenerate. Regenerate. Oh, here. Let me pass pass the whole tray. Man, you got all these ones that are still not even taken out. There's hey. orgy. <laughs> <laughs> regenerate orgy. We well, saw that because we still need one more regenerate or we need one more syllable there. It <laughs> regenerate orgy it orgy regenerate comma orgy it. How about as regenerate orgy as? Oh yeah, there we go. Other Just way. trying to break up there these other ones here so that you can break them up and pack We're them in. Make sure they're all available. My cos- all the possibilities. My linguistic cosmic bowl of words that I'm going to smoke straight to the dome. <laughs> You're breaking up these magnets, packing them in the bowl, and we're both smoking them. Yep. Let's see. Um, resist, not spiral. Regenerate orgy as... Oh, this is kind of... Do you know if dingus is a word in there? It might be. There's quite a bit on my fridge, mm. actually, still. Yeah. I don't think I I haven't seen dingus because if I had I would have remembered. I feel like dingus is not like the kind of word that you like make fun of hippies for using. So no, that's just I mean I really like the word dingus, but yeah, it's not for everyone. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> Tribal lingam. <laughs> wow, nail tribal ling um. Or we need one more. It. <laughs> Don't put it. That's not going to make any sense. Tribal lingam flame. Uh, twin flame. <sighs> You've got this. I believe in you. Well, bless. Uh, re- tribal lingam bless. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Or bless tribal yeah, lingam. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. Resist not spiral. Regenerate orgy as blessed tribal lingam. The end. Well, Aaron, thank you so much. Thank you, Andrew. For making an awesome album and being on the podcast. and Thanks, man. Making this video come to life. We really hope you guys like it. Uh, it was a labor of love. It took quite a long time <laughs> yeah, we especially for Aaron time. because he knows how to edit video and stuff so uh, let us know what you think and Aaron tell people where they can find you uh, so my project is called Quali and you spell it C-U-A-L-L-I and uh, wherever you listen to music or um, you find it there I and the album's called Tell Me Fuzz but um I uh, specifically request that people go check out the YouTube because I've been trying to get people to go there and um, it's really hard. Most of my following is on SoundCloud and Facebook and Instagram and they don't 
these they social like media YouTube. websites don't like cross yeah promotion. So I can't really get people to just nobody wants to go to the YouTube. So that's where all the good video stuff's at. That's where um, the fire is at. Yeah, but if you want to listen to the music, yeah, uh, Spotify or whatever. It's yeah, Bandcamp. Bandcamp. Yeah, you're got releasing the, uh, a vinyl, right? Yeah, the vinyl record um, comes with the DVD box. Set. Dude, it comes with the DVD box set. Wow, you guys have DVD, DVD players, box right? Set. <laughs> they do. Pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. Who so the, there's still more vinyl records available, and they're um, they're hopefully. So what is today? Like the. Fifteenth, fifteenth, yeah. So no, fourteenth, fourteenth. Next anyway. week, I should have them. It's been like three months since uh, that they've been in production, and seems like next week. Uh, so maybe before or after this podcast is released, but should be. We'll try and time it up. Should be shipping out soon. Yeah. Yep. Well, hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah. Yep. Thank you guys for checking us out once again, and uh, we will catch you next time. Peace. Peace.